This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni. And today we're going to talk about what? What did we say we were going to talk about? Why don't you? You're the one with the notes. Oh, okay, okay. You just what, said them. I didn't remember. <laughs> what makes practical prayer different than other prayer? This is actually an episode where you're going to be very helpful because I have very little experience with other prayer. Um, I've heard other prayers. I've read the prayers that are in scripture, but my measuring unit is practical prayer uh, or spiritual mind treatment. Mm-hmm. To my understanding, the main difference is that to which we are praying. In a practical prayer, we are always praying to that divine creative power within. So when we when we turn our eyes to God, when we turn our eyes to the infinite, we're turning within. There is not some force out there that is separate and different from us. The practical prayer is anchored on the idea that there is one creative power, one presence, one life, one intelligence, and it shares and differentiates and and expresses itself in all sorts of different ways that includes planets and mountains and forests and you. And the separation is only, it's, it's like an ocean, and each drop in the ocean could be a raindrop. But when it's in the ocean, it's one. And when it's a raindrop, it's individualized, but it's still water. That's a big difference. Because in the, in the uh, traditional, what should we call it? Traditional religion? You can call it traditional religion. I mean, you, you can call it whatever you want. You're the <laughs> no. one who owned it for all those years. <laughs> uh, taking not, that jacket off. I'm not going over there. I'm not going there with what I want to call it. Okay, be nice, Carol. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly you're correct. They the idea is God is out there and at best God is very close. We would all agree whenever I talk to somebody that God is inside because the Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the living God. However, when it comes time to talk to God, somehow he moves from inside to outside or if you say he's inside, there's still a separation, which I didn't understand until studying practical prayer. So there's a difference. So in your way of thinking, what's the difference? Because I'm sure I'll amplify on it. In my way of understanding, I am talking to God and God is very close to me, hears me, but I never experienced God internally until new thought. Hmm. And and it's it's incredibly different 
and I've been at it for a while, but I'm still learning every day. Okay. And what I've heard is that the difference is both exhilarating and terrifying. I think that says it. Okay. Exhilarating in that that infinite creative power that created everything is available for each of us right here, right now, in every moment for everything that we're looking for. And terrifying in that everything that's going on in our lives is that infinite creative power within us creating our lives. So we have accountability for whatever it is we're experiencing. If I don't like my life, I can't blame it on God because God decided that I should be one of those poor people, one of those wretches. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I learned that, and I kind of always believed that we had a more of a responsibility for our lives than the uh, traditional church teaches. However, I couldn't figure out how that goes. I wasn't really terrified. It was like, okay, now what do you say I have to do? You know, because if it's, if it's me, then I already feel inadequate and in a, in a very real sense, powerless. So what am I supposed to do with this? And shifting, <laughs> shifting uh, everything from God to me, not excluding God, because there is still the recognition that God is the power within. It, it's not my power. It is God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it it's a little bit, it's a big shift, but then not a big shift. You just have to want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, one of the, uh, one of the notions is co-creation. So it's not me wanting something and God creating it for me or not based on whatever God's evaluation of the circumstances is. It is that it's a co-creative process. God yeah. and I are creating this new experience. I'm not, I, I'm not doing the actual work. It's the father within who doeth the work, but the, you know, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll do what, what we ask. We have to ask. Well, that was the magic word for me, co-creation. And I had never heard that before New Thought. And I looked it up in every resource that, that I could find. And, and it is what it says it is, co-creating. And once I got that, now that's a powerful feeling. Yeah. And that's the, the first two steps of a practical prayer. We have to start by acknowledging that God is an infinite power. And that means that it's everywhere. It is everything. And I, as you know, I love taking it back to creation stories because they're all the same. Every creation story traces back to one, you know, whether it's Genesis in the beginning with darkness and void and God, I mean, there's nothing with God. There was only God. And God said, let there be light. And then there was a response and there was light. And that's the creative process. Let there be. And there is. And that's the same creative process that continues to repeat itself all the time. Same story with the Big Bang. In the beginning, there was this, this oneness, this singularity. Everything was impossibly dense and impossibly high energy. And then it either exploded or began expanding. And everything that exists in the universe has been expanding from that singularity. So there is only one. doesn't matter which story we're talking about, whether it's physics or scripture. It's the same story. In the beginning was the word. And the word was that intention for let there be. You know, Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't make any difference we all can trace our lineage back to the one because there's nothing else. There can't be anything else. And the implications of that are huge. Like, does God do any second rate work? So there's like God's, you know, a material and then God has some, some scraps and throwaways and discards and seconds. No, no, it is all the one sharing itself in different ways. Sometimes in ways that are happier for the experience of the person who's doing it. 
than others, but it's not because there's, they're inherently not worthy. It's just, that's the experience that they're having mm-hmm. or that, that we're having. And we get to choose. We get to use that same creative power that created galaxies to create whatever the next experience in our life that we're looking for. It sounds so simple. Well, yeah, it does sound simple. And after you get it, you know, and maybe somebody will get it quicker than I did. You know, it took me a while. Like I read every morning and sometimes I find myself reading the same thing over and over again because I'm determined to get it. But once you do, it is simple. Yeah. I mean, the processes and the interactions that we're talking about are things that you can teach to a kindergartner. And in fact, it's it's a lot easier for a kindergartner to understand because they don't have all of the baggage and the belief system because they haven't been through middle school. Yeah. And learned all the dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's, you know, the logic, there's a lot of logic in it. You know, it's not like you have to. There's one thing that the traditional church would teach. If you don't understand it, just accept it by faith. And that used to annoy me to no end because I always felt like God had a brain. And this is the the external God we're talking about. Okay. God has a brain. He's intelligent. So there must be an explanation. There must be a point at which some of this makes sense. And sometimes you could, I couldn't find it. And that was quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. So in New Thought, it's a, it's a tiny adjustment. You have to unlearn certain things. And really, it's the, the things that you've had questions about in the first place, but you didn't dare entertain the questions because that was not a good thing to do. That means that your faith is not good. But I set all that aside and said, listen, I need to get some answers from this intelligent God. And so for me, it was step by step by step. And, and maybe that's the long way, but I had to unlearn and relearn. You have given me some wonderful insight because I turned my back on the traditional church when I was 12. I was right before confirmation. They basically, in, in the confirmation classes, they would explain everything. And there were two questions that I had. And they said, well, you just have to take that on faith, exactly what you're talking about. And that was the, that was the hook. There's something that you don't understand, just believe because we're saying it. Now, when a minister or the teacher of the confirmation class says it, we're supposed to believe him. When a used car salesman tells us that, we're not supposed to. But I reacted like they were a used car salesman. It's like, my question was, how do I know that Jesus was the only son of God? And they'd answer every other question. And because Jesus, the only son of God, is is the savior and is going to make everything okay. And I said, how do I know that Jesus is the only son of God? Because it seemed to me that that would be creating a lot of complexity in the world to have a Jesus son of God and then everybody else, son-in-law of God, grandson of God, extra baggage, what didn't make any sense to me. And they said, you just have to take that on faith. And I said, everything else is built on me believing that. I don't believe this is the right used car for me to drive home in. Thank you. I'm going to go do something different. And I just turned my back on. I didn't have anything else to turn to. It took 20 years before I, uh, I got back to my spirituality. Well, well, that was brave of you at 12 years old to do that. You know, some of us at 12 years old might have thought it, but wouldn't have had the courage to say it uh, to their parents. And when you were talking about the son of God, that took me back to a conversation that I was having with my parents. We had Those were in the days when you had dinner at six o'clock every night. And so we would 
be at the table and invariably the conversation of religion would come up. I don't remember how old I was, but I asked my father if if Jesus was the son of God. I asked why he was, and he said because he did a lot of good. Now, we're all children of God, but we're not sons of God. So he talked about how, you know, Jesus did all these good things. And I said, well, then what about Martin Luther King? He did a lot of good. How come he isn't the son of God? And my father, who's a devout AME, African Methodist Episcopal, he's very proud of that. He said, you know, I don't know. He said, why don't you think about that and let me know? Now, <laughs> now that was wonderful because he's at one end of the table and my mother is at the other end of the table who was Baptist turned Pentecostal who would not hear of any questions. I mean, that that's just outrageous that you should ask that. And so I observed the argument that took place between the two of them because he told me to think about it. And she, her line is, you know, you, there's nothing to think about. That's right. There's no room for thinking here. Just believe just, what we said and move on. But, you know, I thought my father was pretty cool. I thought he was the most intelligent man in the world. And he told me to think about it. So I did. That's really cool. Yeah, one of the things that, that sometimes take people aback in classes and also in Sunday talks is when I say, please don't believe this because I'm telling you. Please do not take my word for this. I don't have any special dispensation. I don't necessarily know anything. Take it as input. Take it as guidance. Take it under advisement and then figure it out for yourself. The magical thing, the magical seeming thing about practical prayer is that it lets us turn our life into a living laboratory. We can experiment with these processes, with these techniques. We can try practical prayer and see how it works for us and, and grow into it for ourselves. It's not something we have to take as, as gospel from somebody else. It's something that we can take as an idea and work it out for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some completely inconsequential things to pray for with training wheels on. You can put practical prayer to work in your life, and Reverend Bill Marcioni can help. He is offering an online class that teaches you to create your own practical prayer in five weekly one-hour sessions. The final hour brings your practical prayer together, anchored in live original music by a notable New Thought musician. Practical prayer is based on the most effective prayers found in religions and spiritual practices all over the world. Use it to deepen ever more fully into the truth of your spiritual nature. It's the core of a transformational spiritual practice that's simple, even if it's not always easy. Reverend Bill is also available for private spiritual counseling prayer sessions. Together, you'll lean into the challenges you've experienced in life and explore the transformation that's possible through practical prayer. He'll uncover old, hidden beliefs and uproot them to make way for the life of your dreams. Everything you need to know is on the website at b-v-light.com. That's b-v-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to continue our talk on the difference between practical prayer and 
regular prayer or other prayer? Traditional prayer, regular prayer. Yeah, interestingly, in the New Testament, Jesus went around doing prayers like Lazarus rise. And there's no steps in that. You know, and people would touch the hem of his garment and they'd be healed. And it makes him seem pretty special because how did he, he perform those miracles? And obviously he's different and special because he can perform miracles and we can't perform miracles. And the fact of the matter is we can perform miracles. The technique of a practical prayer is that we start with an idea of what it is we want to create, the new experience that we want to have. And then we immediately turn our attention to the infinite, to that divine creative power that created everything, the one. And the aspect of the one that creates the sort of thing that we're looking for, whether it's prosperity or health or success in work or loving relationships or whatever it happens to be, we identify that the infinite has a limitless supply of this. And then in the next step, we identify that we are part of that one, the mind of God is the same mind that I'm thinking with. The creative energy of God is ex as accessible to me and my word as it is anywhere, because we're talking about a universal presence that's individualized as me. And then the third step is we say an affirmative prayer. We make a claim for what it is that we're looking for. And then after we've made that claim and we're clear that that good is available to us, we go into a, a, a feeling of gratitude or a statement of gratitude. We feel thanksgiving. And then we release our words into the creative law. We let it go. We don't have to hold it in mind. We just let that work. And in almost every prayer that Jesus is quoted to have said, he just did the middle step. He just did that affirmative statement that the realization, this good is available now. And the reason he could do that is because he was living in the first two steps. He knew in every fiber of his being that there was one infinite power and it was embodied as him. So he didn't have to stop and go back and do step one and two. He was doing that as his life. He could do step three. And when he spoke that word, he let it go. He was, all, he was living in gratitude. The whole talk is about being in love and living in gratitude. That's, that's what Jesus was about. So in almost all of the prayers, he does it in a single step. And Oh, well, that makes him so special because he could do it in a single step. And we have to ask God outside of us, you know, if it's okay to think about this or even with a practical prayer, I have to back up and remind myself of the truth of who I am before I can do that affirmation. And at, at one point in scripture, somebody asked Jesus, how should we pray? And then he said, first of all, do it in quiet, do it in silence, just you and the infinite, you and the father go into your closet. You know, where nobody else can see you because the hypocrites like to be seen for their much chest pounding and speaking. You know, they want to be, you know, everybody to know that they're doing these wonderful prayers. And that's not what it's about. He said it's about going within and connecting to the Father within, going into the closet. And then when we're in there, ask believing. And then what we are asking for in private will be given to us openly. And he said, pray like this. Don't pray by vain repetition. Don't do the same prayer over and over again. But when you pray, pray like this. And then he did the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is actually all of the steps of a practical prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, that's the first step. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the second step. He is identifying that that infinite creative power that creates everything is creating our lives on earth right here, right now. And then he made his claim, give us this day our daily bread. And he even threw in a couple of negatives, you know, forgive us our debts and temptations and, you know, and evil. 
you know, let, let go of all the things that we perceive as being not good, but give us that experience of heaven on earth. And of course, in every religion in history, the prophet has come pointing to the moon and the followers have studied and worshipped his finger. You know, the Buddha said, I come pointing at the moon, do not pay attention to my finger, pay attention to the moon. We can do these prayers. We can do it exactly using the pattern that Jesus suggested. That is practical prayer. It took a while for people to notice that it's practical prayer and to be able to do it in different ways. So I'm going to take a breath and let you ask a question, and then I'm going to tell you about inconsequential prayers. I almost can't wait for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the, I took when I took your course, Practical Prayer, I was trying to, I laid it juxtaposed to the Lord's Prayer, and I just wasn't getting it. You know, I got the realization part, but I was looking at it just maybe too literally. And so I... I remember getting different translations and laying them all out and looking at them all. And I said, I'm going to figure this out. This has got to work because this mentor that spirit has sent, which is another thing I want to talk about later, (laughs) (laughs) how people arrive in each other's lives. Well, that's another thing. But I, I assumed that I needed to see this. And I actually finally did when I stopped looking at the word or the Bible so literally and, and getting the essence of it, you know, and that's easy with other parts of the scripture, but when it comes to the red letters, now you kind of don't want to mess with those, but I did, you know, and I could see what you were saying. It started to make sense. Jesus absolutely did practical prayers. Yeah. And what if the stuff that he said, we didn't have to interpret as actually that he meant it. Like when he said, all this I do, you can do and more. Maybe what he meant was everything he was doing, we can do. And we're not limited in any way. If if, if we ever come up with a limitation of a prayer that Jesus didn't do or a miracle that Jesus didn't create, it's it's open at the top. We can do that. He Mm -hmm. said it. Okay. Well, if we're going to believe any of it, we need to believe all of it. And that's in there. So let's go. Let's go. It's not I, it's the father within who doeth the work. He was trying to take himself out of the equation. He told us that there was an infinite creative power within him that was doing all these things that everybody was so impressed with. And then he said that we can do it too. Those are some of my favorite parts. I, (laughs) the joke is, I'm reading the Bible. I haven't gotten to the end, so don't spoil the surprise for me. <laughs> <laughs> you do pretty good. <laughs> when we're attaching importance and meaning to to different parts of Scripture, we we kind of, I think, need to keep in mind that it was it's a product of its time. If somebody were to have come along with an explanation of quantum physics in biblical times and tried to explain it to people. One of two things would have happened. Either they would have stoned him to death for being demon and talking crazy. Or if for whatever reason they realized that this person is a genius and a prophet, they would have written it down in the language of the times and then passed that story along. Which is why I have the belief that that everything that's in scripture is historical, metaphorical, or metaphysical. Mm -hmm. And they're not labeled, we don't know which is which. You know, what's the chance that uh, what's her name actually turned into salt? 
that's probably metaphorical. <laughs> probably. I mean, we haven't had any experience since then of people turning into salt or looking back at the city. But I don't want to digress too much. I mean, I love digressing. That's kind of that this whole thing is a multiple episode digression. But I wanted to talk about inconsequential prayers. Because we sometimes get wrapped uh, around the axle. When we're talking about having the ability to use this infinite creative power, it feels like, oh, there's a whole lot of responsibility there. you know. And then there's a friend who has a cancer diagnosis, and then we get all intimidated. How can I pray for that? Oh, my God. Or there's somebody who's going through a bankruptcy or a divorce or something really painful, or there's a, a war that's going on, and we want to bring our prayer power and attention to that, but it seems so big and daunting. So the inconsequential prayers goes back to the notion that we're working in the laboratory of our life. So instead of taking things that we perceive to be big, we take things that we perceive to be trivial. So as we're going through our lives, there are things that catch our attention from day to day that are a little bit annoying. Not being able to find a parking space or um, having to wait forever for the trolley or the elevator or uh, whatever it happens to be delays or problems or difficulties. And we want to look for the most inconsequential inconveniences that we can think of and do a prayer for whatever experience we want to have instead. We can even do a prayer to set an intention of if like, for example, if I never see green cars, if I never see green Volkswagens uh, when I'm driving around, I can do a prayer to see lots and lots of green Volkswagens. And what will happen is I will see lots and lots of green Volkswagens. They will, it was like, they will be like every, everybody who owns a green Volkswagen wants to come out and drive down the street past me. And to the point where it's not just one or two, it's dozens of them. You know, I, we had somebody who was doing this and whatever the color and make of car they were put in the, in the prayer, they were driving down the highway and drove past one of those car carriers that was completely full of exactly that car. Mm. what are the chances that that's going to happen and we don't use that because that's going to be an earth-shaking change in our life we use that to prove to ourselves that the principle works Mm -hmm. if i can drive down the street and this this happened to us we were teaching classes in old city philadelphia and there was a snowstorm actually two weeks in a row there was a snowstorm once we were going to a, a board meeting at a member's house and uh, my partner and I were driving and navigating and in Philadelphia, they don't plow the streets particularly well. Uh, and there's always a challenge to park anyway. And this time there's a challenge to, you know, cause there's snow. So we said, well, it's probably be a good idea to do a prayer that we find a good parking space that's convenient to Michelle's house. So he was driving. I did the prayer and we came around the corner to her house and he, he says, Hey, look at that just a little ways down the street from her house on the other side, there's an open parking space. And I said, yeah, there's also one right in front of her door. (laughs) Let's park (laughs) there. (laughs) So we did. And it wasn't that we took a parking space away from somebody else. It was that parking space became open and available for us at exactly the right moment. The next week there was another storm and we were going down to the, uh, I think we're at the old pine community center and the class was meeting there. And it had snowed all day, and it was the, the usual issue with, with parking and snow removal and so forth. And again, we did a prayer on our way over that everything is fitting together in exquisite perfection. And when we got to the community center, 
the plow was just finishing clearing the entire block in front of the community center. It was freshly plowed and every space was free. Wow. Wow. It's like, okay. So we got a parking space and so did eight other people, including three of the people in the class. Wow. Who came in saying, well, this is really amazing. I just got this great parking space. It's like, yeah, (laughs) it was the splash. It works. It is amazing. It's it's like magic. I use the word magic. It, it it feels like magic, and it's a lot of fun. And I love telling the completely inconsequential stories of parking spaces. I had the experience early on, like the first year that I was learning how to do this, of having done prayers for green lights in parking spaces, you know, all showing up in exactly the correct sequence. And it got to the point where sometimes I would be driving in my car, and I'd want to stop so that I could reach something in the glove compartment. But every time I got to a light where I would do that, it turned green, so I had to keep going. So I had to modify the prayer to every light is exactly appropriate for my requirements at the time. And then on Christmas Eve, I had to go to the mall. And as I'm driving over to the mall, I'm realizing, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm trying to go to the mall on Christmas Eve. What kind of insanity is that? And then I remembered that I know how to do a prayer for parking. So I did a prayer for a perfect parking space and arrogantly drove right up to the door that I wanted to go in. It was closest to the store that I needed to go into at the mall. And of course, the parking lot is completely packed and there's holiday shoppers carrying gifts back and forth. It was, it, was, it was a mob scene. I drove over to that door and as I'm driving up, somebody comes out the door and gets into the car that's parked the closest to that door and backs out of the space. And there's nobody else around looking for a space. So I didn't even have to fight for it. I gracefully pulled in and that was that. And probably 10 years later, the day after Christmas, we had to go to the King of Prussia Mall. and. Our daughter was in the backseat of the car and she was just calling me and my wife names about how stupid it is to go to the mall. There's no place to park. Da, 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 da. You know, she was doing her full teenager thing. And we said, well, we can do a prayer for a parking space. And she's, you, know, you can see her eyes rolling like a broken window shade, you know, and probably went around three or four times. And so in a completely joking manner, the sing song, my wife and I bounced back and forth and did a prayer for the perfect parking space. And the same thing happened. We drove up to the door that we wanted to go into at the Macy's and somebody went and got into the car right then and there. We pulled into the spot, closest one to the door, turned around to the back seat, and she says, that was pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But you call that inconsequential. It is inconsequential. It doesn't matter whether you have to walk six spaces from your parking space. It doesn't make any difference if I'm walking around and I see a quarter on the ground. It's proving a prosperity principle. So the actual import of that for my awareness and my consciousness and my learning is huge. But as far as changing the financial balance of the universe, it's really not going to change anything. I see. You know, same thing with green lights. Green lights tend to be green for 25 seconds and then they're amber for five and they're red for 30. So me driving up to the light when it's green is not actually changing how much time other people spend at red lights. It's all about coincidence. It's all about timing. It's about me arriving at the time when the light is changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's about being in the flow and balance of the universe. And that's, that's what we're talking about when we're doing a prayer. We're not changing anything in the universe. We're simply changing the experience that's unfolding for us. And is, is it fair then to say that because you use the word flow and balance, and I like to throw in rhythm. Mm-hmm. So you're not changing anything, but you are putting yourself in the flow of what is. Is that exactly? Fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, loud music. 
if it's a quiet night and we're having a barbecue outside and the neighbors are playing loud music, then the loud music can be really annoying. If I go to a concert, I want some loud music. Mm-hmm. So it's not that there's something good or bad about loud music. It's about me and the loud music being in harmonious or uh, joyous relationship to each other. That is so good. I have stories, but I'll save them for <laughs> I'll save them for another episode. Okay. Well, we should take a break and come back with a prayer, and it's going to be a prayer for something inconsequential. So I'll let you think about what inconsequential thing we're going to pray for for everybody. Mm. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now at godcall.org. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we're going to pray. Yeah. So have you decided what we're going to pray for? Yeah, we're going to pray for something inconsequential. Yep. Yes. That doesn't, that means that it doesn't change the world, the balance of the universe. It doesn't change anything. I'm going to go as far as to say it's not something that we think of as big. Mm Mm-hmm. Because incon- I mean, there's there's no such thing as big or little. This is an infinite power that created the whole universe. Okay, it creates galaxies and stars. There is nothing that we can think of in our life that's actually going to be big as far as the infinite's concerned. So our biggest thing and our littlest thing is all little stuff. It's all isolated to one particular little portion of planet Earth and our particular lifespan in, in the timeline. Well, that puts things in perspective because I was thinking that I had some couple of big things on the burner, but well, big for you. Even, yeah, big for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that puts it in perspective. So, okay. So we're going to pray for an unexpected gift. Yep. A joyous, okay. unexpected gift. And I put in joyous because we don't want people to inherit stuff. Oh, I love my grandma and she left this wonderful gift. We're not doing that. Okay. It's going to be joyous gifts showing up unexpectedly. And if it's your birthday and you're expecting birthday gift, then that's not what it is. Somebody's going to give you something or somehow something is going to come to you that was just completely out of the blue. And this is for everybody who's listening. And by the way, if everybody who's listening to this gets the most lavish gift they could possibly imagine, it's still not going to change the balance of the universe at all. Not taking anything away from anybody. So let the gifts flow. Ready? Okay. Yeah. 
So let's begin by turning our attention away from the circumstances and the situations in front of us. Maybe close our eyes or go to a soft focus so we can open our awareness to that infinite creative power that creates everything. That one that in the beginning said, let there be. And said that into an infinite creative law that responds to that word, that responds to that creative intent by bringing that into experience. And there was light and there still is light. And everything is that light shining and showing and sharing itself in a new way. And that everything includes me and includes each person within the sound of my voice. Each of us is an individualization of that infinite creative power, that divine presence, that love, that light, that God essence shared in a way that is unique and specific to each of us. Each one, a gift, a unique expression, a combination of talent, skills, gifts, abilities, perspectives that is only ours. And the fact that we're here is ample evidence that God has need of an instrument here. We are that unique individualization here to have the experience, to have that experience so that the infinite can have that experience as and through and in us. There is no separation whatsoever between us individually and that infinite creative power. It is all available to us right here and right now. The blessings are not something we have to ask for. The blessings are something that exist that are innate to us. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And all we have to do is ask, open ourselves up to whatever good it is that we're seeking. And that infinite power is not going to decide what we want. That infinite power has enough energy to light up a galaxy. That's more than I can handle personally. So when I'm looking for that illumination, for that light, for that good, it has to be the amount that I find to be acceptable, that each of us finds to be acceptable. So knowing that that creative power is in me, is in each of us right now, I claim an experience of being gifted, of being joyously blessed with an unexpected gift that shows up in a way that is so clearly and obviously a result of this prayer that it brings a smile to everybody's mouth and it lights that light bulb up overhead with the inspiration, with the understanding that this works. Whatever that gift happens to be, it's something joyous and fun and wonderful and obvious. And it's showing up for each one who is within the sound of my voice now. And it's, it's already on the way. It's not something that's going to be a big delay or a wait, or there's not going to be any subtlety about it. Was that the gift? Is that something? Even if we completely forget that we have done this, the gift is so obvious and right up in front of us. It brings us right back to the remembrance. Oh, I know why this is here. This is my gift. I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the gifts. I'm grateful for the willingness of each one to let go of doubt that it can't show up, that it won't show up, that it won't be any good, or that they don't deserve a gift. We turn away from all of that and open ourselves up to being that divine creative source that is accepting that infinite goodness that flows throughout the universe. It's flowing through us, to us, and for us now. I'm grateful for the gifts. I'm grateful for the good. I'm grateful for the awareness of the law. And I'm grateful to be able to speak this word of intention and release it into that creative law that has always said yes. The same power that creates galaxies is creating these gifts. It's underway now. And so I let this word be. It is spoken. And so it is. And so it is. I am already grateful, right? I'm so excited because I know this works. 
I'm just yeah. waiting. And every time you do something like this, like a prayer and even in the meditations, it doesn't take all that long. Oh, no. Some of the stuff, when FedEx first started, and this was decades ago, I had to ship stuff from my house in New Jersey to California. So I had the first package I wanted to do was ready. So I called the 800 number and they said, well, you want to set up an account? And I said, sure. And so they're going through the whole thing and setting up the account. And while they're setting up the account, a FedEx truck drives up in front of my house. And it's like, I, t I tell them, I have to finish this up. The truck is already here. Okay. The gifts can show up that quickly. You don't need to wait till you get to so it is. The Amazon truck is pulling up in front of your house now. The neighbor is dropping off the cookies. I mean, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to wait at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy what you find, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> Good. Okay. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.